Hello and welcome back to the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. I'm your host Hannah and I'm an infant sleep consultant as well as a mum living and working in South East London. So I can't believe I've not done an episode on this subject before but this is the Sleep Like a Baby co-sleeping special. So that word will have different meanings to different people. For some people co-sleeping means sharing a bed with your child. For others it simply means sharing a room. Perhaps they're in their own sleep space, cot, crib uh, or their own bed nearby but you're all together. For some people that is a big massive family bed and that you're all in together. For others maybe you are a partial co-sleeper where you're sleeping next to each other just for the wee hours of the night or you start off sleeping next to each other but you move further apart as the night goes on it's going to look different for everyone for some people they never want to change a thing and they absolutely love it for others it's something that you do right now and it's where you're at and perhaps it's not your long-term plan wherever you are though I really think there's a lot to get out of this episode and uh, one of the reasons I've waited so long to do a special on co-sleeping specifically is because I really wanted to talk to it talk to my guest today about it um so Tiff from co-sleepy.com is such a great um such a great expert and voice in this community about co-sleeping her resources are so helpful so um non-judgmental informative accessible and um yeah I just I just absolutely adore her anyway she's very funny and self-deprecating and just the sweetest person so I can't wait for you to hear our chat because it's a really big subject and you know maybe I could do a follow-up episode one day as well because there are a few things that we could only touch on from you know the idea that if you co-sleep now do you have to do it forever or if you do want to co-sleep for a long term, how do you put in boundaries around other people's opinions on that? How do you make that work long term? And also we get into things like sex and bed sharing and our society's expectations of intimate relationships and um, yeah, how, how families and couples make that work, that side of their relationship work and also how normal it is to not be so interested in sex at certain times in your parenting journey Um, and then we also talked about how to bed share with when you've got more than one child you know older children toddlers etc who want to come into your bed how to do it safely how to put up boundaries with other people who might have strong opinions on the way that you choose to um, parent your children at night so it was just a really great conversation that covered so many different um areas of this huge topic so as ever thank you for listening and if you've got any feedback or thoughts I absolutely love hearing from you so please do get in touch the sleep like a baby podcast is supported by the octopus club the online marketplace where you can buy sell and give away baby and kid stuff without any hassle If your home is piling up with toys, clothes and bits of kit that your little one no longer uses, the Octopus Club offers an easy, environmentally friendly way of selling or donating things to other families. And if you're on the hunt for high quality second-hand goods, this is the place for you. Honestly, the stuff on there is gorgeous. Check them out on Instagram or go straight to their website, theoctopusclub.com, to sign up today. Okay, so Tiff, 
Um, well, let's just start at the beginning. Um, tell me about you. Like, who who is the woman behind CoSleepy? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, first of all, I run a blog, a small blog that I am working on really hard every night. It's over at CoSleepy.com. And what I'm trying to do with it, I know it's going to sound kind of crazy, but it's kind of like a lifestyle blog, but for the modern parent who co-sleeps. Um, and so that's what's sort of like getting me to keep, you know, trucking, trucking along and going these late nights. Um, but so what I want to do with it is have a mix of like, you know, media posts with scientifically backed information on safe bed sharing or room sharing, but also fun ones because I hear so often on Instagram from our community, people who just absolutely hate co-sleeping or bed sharing. And they're just trying to get through this season of life, this chapter of life, you know, and they, they just like hate every minute of it. And I just, I feel so bad because I think there are some really simple things that you can do to improve the experience and make it more comfortable and fun. You know, I just want to sort of like empower people who are finding themselves doing this, even if they didn't plan on it and they're not happy. Um, I just want to try and bring some uh, light to their days, uh, maybe contact napping, um, not really leaving their house or wearing the same kind of clothes every day and feeling frumpy. Uh, I don't know. Hannah, I just want to like, I just want to help. And I'm so passionate about this really weird topic. So I just feel like I need to just go with it and see what happens. I love it. <laughs> I was reading it in, in as research for our chat and it's, I mean, you say you're building up, but it's already such an amazing um, resource for people. There's like, I think it's great. Um, Thank you. No, I was going to say, no, it does feel different. And I was kind of reading it being like, why is this stuff not everywhere? You know, because when when you do Google, like, why, you know, as we all do, a question about our child's sleep, the things that come up are often just so far away from the reality of parenting it is like some some of the articles that I read are like they're written by you know 70 year old white male doctors from the Mm -hmm. 1950s and I'm just like this does not reflect my experience or has this person ever met a baby exactly no so yeah I think you're um what you're talking about on there is brilliant Thank you. I, it's just, I, when I was a new mom and trying to figure out how to safely bed share, I Googled it. I didn't go on Instagram and that was um, back in 2018. So I think things have changed now where Instagram maybe is sort of considered a search engine. I'm not quite sure, but um, I, so that's why I wanted to get a lot of good information on Google. Um, But I only have like currently, I think I have like 10 or 11 posts and that's why I'm sort of giving myself a hard time about that. I want a lot more. It's just that On Instagram, you get that instant gratification of someone sends you a DM or writes a comment and you can sort of talk them through something or help them. And it just feels a lot better than staying up late, writing a long blog post that you're really not sure if anyone's ever going to see it. So for the last year or so, I've been um, spending the majority of my time on Instagram, sort of putting resources on there and building a community there. But um, for 2022, at least this year, I'm really trying to focus on my blog because um, I don't, I don't know if everybody has Instagram or would ever think to check it. So I think right now, at least Google is still the place really tired parents go at like 3 a.m. when they need an answer. 100%. So, okay. So Tiff, so you are a mom of two, you mm-hmm. have a two-year-old and a two-year-old. And how did you, how did you become passionate about co-sleeping? <laughs> it was, it was just weird. I just had my first baby um, in 20, 
18 and I hadn't really, I honestly hadn't really thought about how they would sleep. Um, we had like a crib that we bought that we researched ahead of time. That was like non-toxic and all this stuff that I felt good about. It was so expensive. And then of course, when my son arrived, he didn't want to touch it. And he only wanted to sleep on my chest. Um, maybe my husband's chest for a little bit, but like his happy place was when I was sort of reclined on, on my bed and he would be lying skin to skin on my chest. Um, and I, I remember one of my friends had had a baby previously and she mentioned just that sometimes her baby slept in her bed. And I can remember the conversation being like, oh, gasping, like that's not safe. And she said, well, if you do it carefully and that's sort of where the conversation fizzled out. And now looking back, I just um, like cringing at that. And I feel so, so bad about it, but nobody other than that, I didn't, I hadn't heard about it from anybody. And um, I guess it was just TV shows or movies, you know, the common pop culture. Um, I live in the United States and it's sort of all about sleep training and your child is safest in a crib. Yeah. So um, the first week was really hard and I was having a hard time breastfeeding him. Like I was bleeding and I was just having, for whatever reason, it wasn't really working um, as easily as I thought. That was something else that people hadn't talked to me about beforehand. Um, and so I was very fortunate to get in with a lactation consultant, um, like five days after he was born and she gave me a nipple shield and was helping me through breastfeeding. And I just happened to mention to her that he didn't like sleeping in his bassinet. And, um, the only way he would sleep is on me or next to me in bed. And I'm so thankful because she said there is a safe way to do that. People do that all over the world, you know? Um, and then she said, I think his name is James McKenna, Dr. James McKenna, you should Google him. He has a really good book and he spent his whole career um, teaching families and researching it and um, talking about safe co-sleeping and bed sharing. Um, and so I went home that night, I bought his book online and it didn't come for the next you know, couple of days. But from what I could tell by Googling, um, there were a few sites that had the basic, you know, like the safe sleep, sleep seven rules from La Leche League and um, that very first experience is what like put this little thing in the back of my mind that said, there's not many resources on this. And, uh, just like, maybe, maybe we'll come back to this later, but isn't that interesting that, um, this apparently is safe and they do it all over the world. And we've done it for the, almost the entirety of human history. But yet when you Google it, there's not many resources. Hmm. So that was 2018. Um, and we, I continued to sleep with, him, my son on my chest for probably like seven months. That is where he wanted to do it. And I did it safely. Um, according to there's this really, really helpful book called sweet sleep by La Leche league. And in that book, they talk about how to do it safely. There's like a couple of things you can do to make sure, um, your baby's safe. Like you wouldn't want to, um, do this on a chair or a couch or anything like that. But if you prop yourself up in bed, um, you, you can let your baby sleep with their head on your chest and they're in the prone position. But the important thing to note is that their head needs to be elevated above their bottom, their butt, so that the, their body weight kind of lands on their legs and their bottom. And it doesn't land on their lungs because they need, you need to make sure their lungs can open, you know, and they can get all that air in. So that's why you're sort of reclined. So you let gravity put their body weight on the lower half of their body. Um, and, that book talks about it um, and gives really simple instructions. So um, yeah, we did that for several months and eventually I was able to sort of help teach him to sleep next to me on the mattress. 
Um, and then we, I laid in the cuddle curl position and I slept with him like that until he was around one. And that's when I felt comfortable, um, sleeping on my back or in different positions. Um, and I have been bed sharing with him the entire time. He just turned four actually. So we, his entire life, he has been next to me in bed. Oh, except for, uh, except for about six months when the second baby came. Right. So you weren't the sort of person then that was sort of expecting to be yeah bed sharing that was not mm-hmm. yeah and which is something I, I think is really important because I think well this is maybe my own like cultural bias or whatever but sometimes I, I used to before I had a baby I definitely thought there was a type of person who co-slept mm-hmm. and I was like well and that's not me <laughs> so mm-hmm. then when I did find myself sleeping with my baby I was like oh mm-hmm. okay you know I don't fit that kind of crunchy kind of mold uh-huh. of what I yep. thought um but yeah so I love that you know that that I love your story of how just organically it all happened and mm-hmm. you know yeah I definitely um get a little angry when I see on tv or I was recent re- recently just reading some book like some fiction book and um they were describing someone who co-slept and yes yeah, so many other horrible qualities that they give that type of person who allows um, children in their bed. It's yeah. just really frustrating. Um, it's like, I be, I basically went vegetarian in 2015 for a variety of reasons, but same type of thing. If you're a vegetarian, sometimes you get comments from people where they think they can like sort of peg you or like, know you, you're that type of person who yeah. would stop eating me. So same thing. Yes, totally. As a, a fellow vegetarian, I totally get that. Yeah, it's like oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh man, the type of people that would bed share. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, and I think it's really interesting though how you're you're obviously yeah you're in the states and I'm here in the UK and um, I think we've had very similar public health messaging about uh, baby you know being being in a crib or a cot and that being the safest place for sure and I think there's a lot um particularly previous generations here feel very very strongly against bed sharing um Mm -hmm. lots of reasons but safety is definitely one of them um and I I don't know I don't know if I think there's a lot of different but I think there's a little bit more variation in attitudes here in the UK I think we're a bit more tolerant of bed sharing but I know that's not the whole of the UK either like I think it's difficult to sum up isn't it um whereas in the states or particularly I guess where you are in the states because you're in California now right but you Mm -hmm. were you when you had your babies so I had my first year in California which is where I'm from but then my husband he worked uh for SpaceX at the time I guess it's okay I say that Um, he transferred over to the location they had in Texas. So we were in Texas for three and a half years and that's where we had our second baby. So, um, and we've just recently, he's gotten a new job and we've come back to California, which I'm thrilled about. Um, And it's hard to say because I had the second one in 2020. So he was a, you know, pandemic baby. And so I wasn't out and about mingling with the good people of Texas as much as maybe I would have otherwise. because I was mostly in our little tiny house. Um, but, but yeah, I just really feel like in the U S I don't know if it's like our very rigid puritanical beginnings or what, like rule followers, 
it's just, it's sort of like here, um, I'm a millennial and I, I really hope things are changing, but it really just feels like we're taught to get that education. Um, and when I was going, I went to UCLA, it was like, just take out as many loans as it takes because your education will pave the way and you're going to have a glorious life as long as you set yourself up right by getting this amazing education. And you know what I mean? Like, at least from my parents' generation, um, here in the States, at least it's very like, um, it just seems like they, they had an easier time sort of following some rules or, or something Mm -hmm. where everything did work out pretty well for them. And it's just very, as you know, it's very different for our generation. And, um, there are a lot of people like us who are sort of questioning things and thinking outside the box and wondering, well, just because people have been doing this for the last several generations, it doesn't mean that that's right. Um, and something I love is talking to people on Instagram. I hear this a lot where, um, they'll say, actually, I haven't gotten any pushback from my parents or um, my friends or family, because I just say, I just put up those boundaries from the beginning saying Mm -hmm. what happens in my house um, is my business, our business. And we are the best people to make these decisions for our children. And so please stop, stop asking. And it took me a while to get those boundaries or to be comfortable putting those boundaries up. But, um, but I always just so happy when I hear that. Yeah, because that's tough. At least it was for me. What about you? Um, you know, I think I'm I'm actually in a really really privileged position in that a my mum co-slept on and off. With oh wow! As kids, I'm one of four, and she's had various different setups, kind of according to our personalities, I think. But I know that I was in her room for a long time, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so it was kind of normalised in that way. And also I'm, you know, I'm, I live in central London and I have a very sort of like, there's a big, big cultural mix of people around me. And in my sort of antenatal group, there were lots of different people from different cultural backgrounds. And quite a few of the women had grown up in, in cultures where bed sharing was very normal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like two of my girlfriends have a sort of Chinese backgrounds. And so we were all just kind of talking about like there was it was quite normal in a sense of like oh yeah the baby came in with me oh yeah like oh how do I get her out of my bed like that was kind of normal it didn't feel wow. unusual but then I I look at my sister who obviously had the same mum you know mm-hmm. and she, she kind of she had her kids in a different part of the country and I've asked her so like I asked her like why did you not ever she never co-slept with her mm-hmm. it's like she had a next actually no she didn't even have a next to me um crib because kind of 10 years ago they weren't as popular wow you know in in the UK anyway they weren't really being sold as widestream as they are now um she knew a few people with them but she just had a Moses basket and then um moved her kids into into their own rooms but they were terrible sleepers like she was up every two hours for a really long time that's awful Um, and I asked her you know like why why didn't you just get them in bed with you? And she was like, just, I didn't know anyone else that was doing that. You know, I just, mm-hmm. that just wasn't what people were talking about. It wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the second one had really awful reflux. <laughs> he was vomiting constantly and incredibly wriggly. And she's like, I just, even now he's like seven. She's like, I still can't share a bed with him. He just kicks me all night. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there was a practical element for the second when I think she was, but it's funny because, you know, on paper, she would be a classic bed sharing type that I, yeah. you know, she breastfed for 
her first for two years, her second for four years. Um, she was really into attachment parenting and all of this other stuff, but she just never go slept, which blows my mind. But for yeah. her, it was just not something that people did that she knew. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's a really I, good answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it sounds like um, hopefully things turned out okay for her, but I'm just, I've talked to so many moms in that position who just haven't tried bed sharing because they're scared that they're going to hurt their baby or there's just yeah. too much shame from their friends and family. And it really affects their mental health. Yeah. Like, um, it just, yeah. I just really, I, I can't even imagine having to get up out of my bed and walk to a different room yeah. to help my baby several times throughout the night for a year or more, however yeah. many years that was. I just, she must be a strong woman. Like there are so many strong women out there who are doing yeah. that. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think parents are amazing. Mothers are incredible. The things we do, you know, are amazing. It, it did really affect her. It did have a really negative Mm. her mental health and um you know she spent a lot of money on gadgets you know she had the breathing monitor for the crib she had all of these different things um and and a lot of money was spent trying to get her kids to sleep um yeah. so it, it, sadly it did you know it did have a real toll on her um yeah. and it's it's hard isn't it and I think sometimes I felt really guilty for the bed sharing sometimes because I didn't always I often felt quite good you know I didn't (laughs) there were times when I felt all right you know Mm -hmm. like you know I'd have good patches where I wasn't I felt like I should be more sleep deprived than I was but actually he'd go to bed he'd be in with me he'd feed a few times I wouldn't really be aware of it and Mm -hmm. I'd wake up the next morning feeling all right like obviously as a parent you're kind of always slightly exhausted right like (laughs) exactly like even now my son is like about to turn three and he sleeps pretty well I'm still exhausted so I'm not saying (laughs) there's that level but you know I didn't feel that kind of yeah it's difficult Mm -hmm. yeah I know that feeling 100% I love it I and I understand that not everybody has that experience and so when they do say that they hate it I I get that because I've had my share of hard nights but in but in general I think that I'm really lucky to have had this, um, generally, like you said, just a really positive, happy, um, and helpful experience. And that's why I'm able to do this work. Cause I'm sure if I just sort of, um, even if I learned so much about it, um, but I just sort of like barely got through it, I wouldn't have started my blog. We wouldn't be talking right now. So I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. And I'm a really big believer as well that, you know, just in doing what works for you in the moment as well, because I have to say like, for me bed sharing was a really up and down experience a bit like Mm -hmm. you had a baby who wouldn't sleep anywhere other than my chest and there was a lot of sort of shift taking with me and my partner and um a lot of really really awful sleep dessert like you know just awful nights where he would sleep maybe 20 minutes the whole night in the crib and I just was at my wits end Mm -hmm. and then I sort of surrendered and I think because the people around me were doing it I started co-sleeping um but I, for me, they got to a point where it did actually like it was it went from being the best thing in the world to something that was suddenly not anymore. And so we we moved away from it and it was kind of the right thing for us. Um, and so I just think it's important to remember that not everyone's co-sleeping experience is going to look exactly the same. You know, there is this idea that if you bring them into your bed, 
you never get them out. You might, you might never want to get them out. And that's, that's really nice as well. You know, there's nothing wrong with it becoming a, a I guess, a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. Um, or not even, I think that makes it sound, I, lifestyle choice makes it sound like you're choosing a, like a brand of footwear or something. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a parenting choice. It's a, you know, it's something, it can be part of your core philosophy of how you raise your children. I think that's really lovely but it also doesn't have to be permanent or forever, you know, and exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, everyone's on their own journey. Everyone's got their own child, their own family, their own practical considerations, haven't they? It's just, mm-hmm. there's this, there's this the narrative that like, Oh, if you bring them in now, like that's it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know. I, obviously can't speak to that from personal experience because I'm still bed sharing with the oldest who just turned four, but I just look at all these other countries out there where co-sleeping is the norm or bed sharing is the norm. And you don't see teenagers in their parents' beds, you know, in Japan or India or Mexico, like, no, there's a certain point when every child, they, they have that firm foundation that, um, since they were a baby, they knew my parents are here whenever I need them. They're right here. And at some point they're going to reach um, the point where they say, I don't, I can differentiate when I do need them and when I don't, and I don't need them, not all night, every night. So it's okay to sleep in this cool new bed um, over there. I like stretching out. I like having my own space. You know, I I really believe that that happens to almost every human on the planet other than, um, you know, people with maybe different needs. I'm just talking about like the average child. Um, So. I think that happened to me, you know, I was, I co-slept for a long time with my mum, and then I'm, I'm from a large family. I shared a bedroom with my several of my siblings at different points. And I remember being probably about nine or 10 and being like, oh my God, I just want you all. I want my own bedroom. I want my own space. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I am yeah. like, and that, and I remember it happening. And obviously that was a real privilege to be able to have your own bedroom is, is, you know, I was very lucky. Right. Um, but like, yeah, it was absolutely wonderful. And um, I interviewed um, Greer from um, Nurture Neuroscience but, um, recently, mm-hmm. and she said something that's really stuck with me. And, and it's it's really helped me as a parent sometimes when I do think, or oh, because sometimes the like rod for your own back narrative does sort of creep in, even though I know it's not true. Sometimes I think, oh, um, and just that idea that, you know, independence is inevitable. It is just this part of development it happens you know they will not want you that much forever right. I know how sad is that right we're gonna yeah. be like missing these days yeah. at some point it's yeah. just I've already seen in these four years how fast they've blown by and how big he is and how in so many other ways he doesn't need me anymore and that's just like heartbreaking so I personally am happy to have him next to me yeah. um, while we sleep for now I'm really jealous. I think it's really nice. I wish my son would sleep with me again. <laughs> so how I'm curious, I know this is your yeah. podcast, but yeah. how, how did you do that transition and was it harder on him or you? I don't even remember Tiff. This is what like I kind of do because people have asked me like clients and stuff, but it, it just, it feels like a long time ago. Yeah. It was weird. Like he was super super cuddly all night and then I noticed that he started to sort of push me away a bit mm-hmm. and I just had this feeling that he suddenly was ready for some more space and mm-hmm. I just started putting him back into his cot a bit 
mm-hmm. and then he started to sleep a little bit better um and I'm I don't know it was weird I just was like before I knew that he definitely needed me and then I was like oh maybe he's actually telling me I had this instinct that he just wanted some space mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I can't even remember what I don't think I followed like a process or did anything I just sort of some nights he spent more time in his cot some nights more with me and gradually it just I think it became a thing that he just mostly slept in there he rolled about a lot he liked his own space and even now when he's sick he will want a cuddle and I'll like go and I'll sleep in his room with him but he likes his bed and he likes to like because I think some people do just like space space to sleep you know I know you Mm -hmm. can do that within a co-sleeping situation right like you know you don't all have to be like lying up close to each other Mm -hmm. all night long but I don't know it wasn't I felt like it was just the right time and the right thing for us at that so yeah it just yeah it didn't feel like a difficult process that's Um, amazing and so encouraging yeah Yeah, I guess yeah because I've had friends who are the babies the same age and they were also trying and they had a very very different experience and one of them is still co-sleeping now but she's she loves it so yeah Mm -hmm. it's just down to temperament and personality and right and you listening to that instinct and following it I Mm -hmm. think I think that really is important like I I think parenting is a weird mix of instinct and also leaning on your village and sharing information from other people you know I really believe in that like I think it really helps to know what other people do to like yes your decision making but um I think also Mm -hmm. using that like innate knowledge of yourself and your child and letting that be a guide is really helpful Mm -hmm. um yeah yep I agree but um so um, I mean do you like do you think your son is at a place where he would like is he do you think he's gonna start moving away or do you or do you feel like he's still at four he's still loving it and yeah, he, he doesn't, I don't foresee him ever wanting to stop. Yeah. Uh, so, and I just try <laughs> to remind myself, um, like what I just said about, I think about kids all over the world yeah. who eventually do stop, but no, he like for breastfeeding, for nursing, I had to, at some point cut him off. Sure. I won't say how long he went in case he ever hears this one day, yes. but it was, it <laughs> yeah. was, he, I think he want, he wanted to nurse and he will want to co-sleep forever. I know that sounds crazy, but just based on his personality, he's just um, very cuddly and he has, he's very comforted by co-sleeping and um, nursing before that. That was like his happy place. Um, Just like even just being latched, like not even necessarily drinking anything, you know? So um, I, I'm not nervous about it, um, but I, I honestly have no idea how it's going to, going to turn out. I think his little brother, who's two years younger, um, he's already shown signs of just more, not independence, but like he, he likes his space. And I, I think he would be totally fine and soon or in maybe like a year in his own bed. So um, I just, again, that's something I need to work on with my own self, my expectations of like, let's say my younger son got his own bed before my older son. Like, is that bad? Like, I think maybe here, at least in the States, like um, it, that would be seen as like, oh, that's really backwards. Yeah. You know, your oldest 
yeah, but I, but what's really important is what's in our house. And my, if my husband and I feel comfortable with it and we think it's the best for both of them, then we need to just be okay with that and be confident in our decisions. Yeah, totally. And you know, if I'm being really honest with myself, I'm, I'm sure that when I move my son into his own bed, that narrative or that fear I had about him being there forever, I'm sure that was a part of it as well. Like I, you know, as I'm sure I was worried about making mm-hmm. it too permanent as well. You know, I, and I, and I, I kind of wish I'd just been kinder to myself in that period and just been like, this is who you're trying, you know, just, it's okay to lean into this situation. And I think, you know, with your son, it just makes so much sense, you know, with your oldest, because I see this with friends with more than, you know, more than one child all the time. It's just how completely different they both are but yeah my Mm -hmm. one of my very close friends her her second is this is is the the exact opposite she had actually a really independent first child and so the second is like will probably be in her bed for years and years you know yeah she she yeah it just it's just who your kid is isn't it yeah and then working I I feel like at least for me just working on my thoughts and comparisons to other people and just trying to remind myself what really matters. Because when we look back on this period of time, you know, when we're like, let's say 20 years from now, when our kids are really old and they definitely don't need us anymore. Like, I don't want to remember all those days or nights I was agonizing my decisions and doubting myself. Like, I really just want to try and enjoy this very short period of time while my kids are young And even if they're not co-sleeping, just while they're young and they love me so much and they want to be around me all the time. Like, Like, I just, I want to really just enjoy this. I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. And (laughs) I was, um, it makes me want to cry a little bit. Um, but I was, I was going to ask actually, so in your, in your kind of immediate circle, like what do your parents or in-laws or siblings or, you know, people in your immediate family think of your setup? Um, they, I don't know. It's, it's hard because in the very beginning, we got some pushback from family and I don't want to tell the story, everything here, just in case they ever hear this, because I love them and I know they, they love us, but there were definitely some expectations that my husband and I weren't aware of that, like, um, older people, older generations, um, they had sort of, or they just, I don't know. I also with my oldest, he's the first, um, grandchild in the family. And so it's not like I could say, oh, my sister already has a kid and they co-slept or, yeah, or they only slept with their baby in the crib. Like I actually had no, no reference, like no comparison at all because he was the very first one. And, um, I, I'm not blaming anyone because if I were to blame someone, it would be my own self because I wasn't very good with setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, I really have been working on that for these four years now, but being a first time mom um, and being someone who wasn't very crunchy or hadn't researched this and didn't know really what was happening, I let other people give me advice. And then when they did, even if I didn't agree with it, I wouldn't have the, it's not just courage. It was like the emotional strength. Cause I was just so exhausted. You remember just like uh, the first couple of weeks after you have your baby and you're healing, your body's healing and mentally, and you're just so exhausted. 
Um, so for whatever reason, I didn't push back. And then that, I think that gave people um, permission to continue either giving advice or, uh, you know, yeah. just making, making us sort of question what we were doing. Yeah. And um, it's okay because I think with families and friend groups and stuff, like sometimes when in big life moments like this, like when someone has a kid, um, emotions are really high and um, something I wasn't expecting was for other people to care so much and be so invested in my son, because I thought he's my son, I'm the mom. So it's, I, I was just kind of um, confused at why other people had such strong opinions yeah. and that seemed to really matter to them. Um, but I'm not, um, I don't know. I just, I can only focus on myself and I hope that when um, I have other friends who have babies or younger people in my family, when I'm like a grandparent or something, I just, I really hope that I can just support, especially the mom right after birth. Like they just need support um, because I just wasn't, um, I just was unprepared for how difficult it was those next couple of weeks after having um, a baby. Mm-hmm. You, you understand, but it's just like, um, those people just need love and support. That's all like, they don't need, um, advice or opinions or anything like that. So that's, sorry, that's a really hard way to answer your question, but I just, I don't want to like talk, say anything bad about them because I know it came out of love, but Hannah, to be honest, it was a really, really hard time. And we definitely were bed sharing in secret because when we did bring it up, it seemed to provoke all these weird feelings of like, like, like people just didn't understand and uh, we felt guilty about it. Um, and that's why I said earlier, we were just, we feel so lucky that we happened to be hooked up with that particular lactation consultant mm-hmm. who told us about safe bed sharing. And then we were reading the books and everything online. And we, we knew on one hand that it was safe because he, look at all this evidence. We were learning about all that stuff. Um, but then day to day, when people would ask like, oh, how's he sleeping? We would just we would, in the beginning, we would just lie. We'd say, Oh, he's fine. He's in his bassinet because we just didn't have the strength to get into an argument or feel like we had to justify our decision or defend ourselves. So it's been a really long time and we're all in different places now, but um, I'm really proud of myself um, with the work I've done just personally for creating boundaries because I'm such a people pleaser that it's really, really hard for me to say something when I know that that person is going to hurt them or make them mad or something. Um, but just as a mom, I want to be the type of mom who's uh, strong enough to do that for the sake of their children. If it's the right decision or the right thing to say, to just have the courage to just put it out there, even if it makes things weird or makes someone upset. It's just crazy, isn't it? Because I think there is so much like shame, feeling like a failure, feeling embarrassed, feeling like you're doing something different or weird. And like what we know is, is how normal it is. And just Mm -hmm. kind of inevitable that your baby at some point is going to be in your bed, especially if you're breastfeeding. Um, Because, you know, for me, I felt like I read all of these articles about like, never fall asleep, you know, feeding your baby on a chair or a sofa and I and I and that is really important you know it's really important that people don't do that that is really dangerous um Mm -hmm. but no one said to me that 
why I felt so sleepy during breastfeeding, <laughs> you know. Right. right. I wish I'd known that there was like a biological process that was basically making it impossible for me to stay awake during a feed anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then th- th- I just wish there'd been more advice being like, so because you are probably going to fall asleep feeding, and I absolutely did fall asleep feeding in a chair several times because how can you not? And all of my friends said the exact same things. I then felt like a failure for falling asleep, feeding my baby and, and putting him at risk. Mm-hmm. Like, why was the not the next part of the, the article or the conversation not, so this is how you bring them into your bed and do it in a safe way. It's just, it's crazy. And, right. and we know that, well, the, the prevalence, I suppose, changes all over the world, but in the UK, at least 50%, if not more, parents bring their babies into bed in the first three months um and almost none of them plan to do so so that's where the risk comes from because mm-hmm. you haven't thought about how to do it ahead of time you're making a decision in the middle of the night when you're exhausted and then exactly. there are safe circumstances mm-hmm. so, yeah I think it's also some people are okay with babies crying or crying it out yeah. So a lot of the people who talked to us in the beginning said, you know, it's okay, Tiff, like, yeah. just let him cry. Just go put him in his crib. He'll be safe in there. And it, once he cries for a while, he'll, it'll tire him out and he'll be asleep. Yeah. And then, so that brought up a whole separate thing of like, I'm not comfortable letting him cry it out. Yeah. So, so yeah, I totally, I agree with what you said. And I think that's fascinating because here in the States, I don't think we have a statistic like that, that I've seen. Um, I have seen one that said up to 75% of moms admit that they've brought their baby into their bed at one point or another. But um, I think that was in James McKenna's book, but it's the majority of at least breastfeeding mothers, because like you said, when you're nursing, it is very hard to stay awake. So, so um, I'm so proud of those women who, if they're on a chair and they start to fall asleep for whatever reason, if they decide to on their own, they just feel instinctually like it's better to go lie down on the bed and do this. That makes me so happy yeah. um, because that's so much safer. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So there were lots of things I wanted to talk to you about today. And I, I <laughs> but um, one thing I think would be really good to cover would be, I think a lot of, maybe this is a lot of, um, other people's concerns maybe older generations about the these ideas we have about like the marital bed and mm-hmm. um you know sex and intimacy and you know it's not as you know how how do you have you know how can you how can you be in a, a romantic relationship with, with someone and also have your children in bed like people are Mm-hmm. very confused about how this works which I think I know weird <laughs> like, I do think it's weird when other people ask me like it's none of their business like yeah. again with boundaries but I for the parents out there who are co-sleeping right now and listening to this but it, and it's their own worry or fear um for me personally I just again think about people all over the world especially those people who um only have one bedroom many families like all have one bedroom that they sleep in So, um, I don't know how they do it. They continue to have children and that's, you know, I think it's up to each person or each couples. Um, it's up to them depending on their comfort levels. Like when I've done polls on Instagram, some people 
say that they are totally comfortable moving to the side of the bed away from the baby. Other people say, no, we go down to the floor because we want to be within earshot of the baby, but we don't want the baby if they open their eyes to see us at all. Yeah. Um, and I think it depends on the age of the child too. Like, I feel like there's something, there's a difference between um, a nine month old waking up and seeing you there and a five-year-old, yes. uh, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so I just think each parent, each couple needs to assess how old their child is, you know, um, how comfortable they are. Maybe they do decide to go into a different area of the house, but they have a monitor set up so that they can hear their child if they wake up. Um, in that case, I would say probably the safest way to leave your baby who's used to co-sleeping is if you have a floor bed um, and you've, if they're not rolling or moving, then that's fine to put them on their back in the middle of the bed if you leave the room. Um, but if they're mobile, definitely safety proof the entire room just in case yeah. they're able to crawl around while you're not in there and supervising. Um, but I mean, just personally, I did not feel I had like zero desire to be physically intimate with my husband for many, many, many months, like way more months than I thought beforehand, but it just wasn't there. It was like the only thing my body cared about was feeding my child, yeah. keeping them alive. Um, and I, from what I've gathered, a lot of other women um, are in the same boat, but here in the States, at least when you're uh, six weeks postpartum, you go in for an appointment. And that's usually when your doctor will clear you to have sex and sit and give you like recommendations on birth control options. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that gives a lot of us this uh, more shame or like guilt or something like some, what's wrong with me. It's I'm only six, I'm six weeks postpartum, but I do not want to have sex with my husband who I love very much, but I can't describe it. I just, there's no desire and I don't want to do it. And so I just want to say to anyone who's feeling that way, that that's totally normal. And I wish people would talk about this more that, um, after you have a baby, it is a life altering event, as you know, and there is no rush. So, um, when you're ready again to do that again with your partner, there are safe ways, things you can do, even though you're used to bed sharing or co-sleeping with your child. But until then, please just trust your own instinct and don't rush anything. Oh, thank you so much for saying that because we have the same thing, the six week check. And I remember my doctor asking me, and I think I burst out laughing at the idea <laughs> of, of contraception. And I think I was like, I have contraception and he's six weeks old and he's basically the reason why I would never do this ever again you know like <laughs> this no, exactly I mean I've moved past that stage now but you know what I mean I was like that is literally the last thing mm -hmm. on my mind right now and was for quite a while and um yeah and there's just this idea you know like yeah that if you're sharing a bed as well that then therefore that means that you you've you should be acting like you haven't had this major life-changing event mm -hmm. like you aren't like I said like even when your child sleeps you're still quite exhausted as a parent you know like yeah <laughs> exactly you know this idea though of like snapping back and being you know I don't know this this perfect woman who's I don't know and you know I think a lot of dads aren't in the zone either you know mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of pressure on them and we just have these really weird views about sex and our in our mm -hmm. culture and weird expectations of relationships and obviously there are some people who are really keen to get back at it you know and <laughs> for them but 
equally they don't need to do it in bed at night you know like exactly like there's 24 hours in a day people let's <laughs> I, I know mean, <laughs> it's like be creative come on yeah, be creative think outside the box you know mm-hmm. um yep <laughs> um it's it's really weird isn't it it's like we're such we can be such a puritanical culture and yet at the same time Mm-hmm. like judgmental and obsessed with sex <laughs> yeah it's just this idea that the ideal woman um who's super sexy has a baby and she turns into the perfect mom but she's still super sexy and yeah. she still has time to like do whatever for her husband and yeah. you know like let's talk about how having a baby changes you like you are not the same person afterwards yeah. like in so many different ways and that's not a bad thing it's just an an acknowledgement of reality that the next chapter of your life after you have a child, especially after your first child is going to be different. You and your husband are not going to have sex or intimacy in the exact same way as beforehand as before. So, and that's okay. So it's just another thing that people that pop culture and society, like they just don't talk about, I feel like. And that's a shame for those women who again are so tired and at 3 a.m are awake wondering like am I failing am I doing everything wrong mm-hmm. like I just I feel for them so I'm so happy that I met you on Instagram and I feel like um since 2018 when I first started there are a lot more people talking about this stuff and there's people who come to my page because they're searched they've typed in the keyword co-sleeping or something but mm-hmm. what I'm so happy about is pages like yours where you talk about so many other things and I'm you correct me if I'm wrong. There's probably not, not everybody who follows you co-sleeps. Yeah. Right. With their kids. They're following you for other advice and other things you talk about, but you're normalizing it to them. So if their friend mentions something, they're having a really hard time and they're super embarrassed because they co-sleep, they can say, Oh, it's totally normal. And, um, just keep trusting your gut. You're doing great. Yeah. So because obviously you know, there's going to be lots of people as well for whom co-sleeping just isn't a safe option you know mm-hmm. they're, they're a smoker or they had a, a premature or you know low birth weight baby all those things but there's still ways to kind of create that closeness and that connection and I think that's really important to talk about as well you know and um the James McKenna book you mentioned as well has a great section on that of like of of following your sort of like mammal instincts to sleep with your young but doing it in these safe ways and just remembering how normal it is it's just yeah it's just um it's just what we as a species do you know and and co-sleeping I guess is different you know for some people that is a sidecar crib isn't it or Mm -hmm. you know a a separate mattress on the floor or you know it doesn't always have exactly or you might go and camp sleep in your child's room with them you know Mm -hmm. rather than them coming to your room there's it can look so different. Exactly. I do. I talk a lot about bed sharing just for safety aspects, but room sharing is the other side of the coin, which is, and I, and co-sleeping, I at least sort of use that as like an umbrella term for both, but like room sharing is still equally as beneficial to a young baby. That's what James McKenna has found in his experiments at the sleep lab at Notre Dame university. So um, like, yes, if you feel like it's not safe, for your particular situation for you to bed share with your young baby. Um, you could try a sidecar or pull up their crib or cot right up to your bed so that you could put your hand in there. Um, so they know you're right there. Like when James McKenna measured their breathing and their heart rate and the hormones, all these 
things, all these good things were happening just the same way as when they were like on their mom's chest sleeping with the real physical contact, you know, of bed sharing. So I think it's just, if you can, um, for the first six months, at least maybe a year, if, if it's okay for your situation, if you could have your child in your bedroom, mm-hmm. um, they found that to be very benef- beneficial. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, totally. And what would you say to someone who has, hears all of that and kind of wants to bed share or room share, but there's, they still feel kind of anxious or nervous. Like what, where, where can, what, what, what would you say to them? Hmm. Well, I would encourage them to look up the safe sleep seven, which is just the basic seven guidelines, um, from La Leche League that they've found based on their research and James McKenna and other experts, um, anthropologists and scientists who have devoted their careers to this. Um, if you look at the safety guidelines and you meet all of the qualifications, like what you were saying, Ham, like they're not smokers. Um, their baby was born at full term and healthy and, uh, you'll, your baby always sleeps on their back. That's really important. You don't want your baby on their tummy on an adult mattress with your body right there next to them. Um, just because that'll move the mattress down and cause an indentation with your body, your body weight. And that can create sort of like an air pocket where they can't get new fresh oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, even as we know, even in a cot or a crib, your baby should be on their back most of the first year. Um, But anyways, if you can do it safely, but you still don't feel comfortable doing it, I personally wouldn't suggest you do it just because it, I just feel like, um, maybe for your mental health, maybe it would cause too much anxiety. Um, that's why I love doing consultations. I don't get to do them too often, but when I do, I love really hearing, um, what the mom's thinking and like co-sleeping doesn't work for everyone. I have talked to people who really in theory, they want to do it. They think it's the best option for um, a human baby, um, but they just, for whatever reason, it makes them more nervous and they get less sleep. Yeah. So, so sometimes I would say you don't have to do it or like what we were just talking about. You could try pulling up their crib so that they're close to you, but they're not on your same exact mattress, which does feel a little bit scary. Um, I, w- I was a little worried about it in the beginning too. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about you, Hannah, but do you think that like with time, your confidence grew as, um, your son was sleeping next to you? Like yes. it took, it took a few months maybe to, to really feel good about it. Yeah. Probably a couple of weeks. Or, yeah. A couple of weeks for me to feel good about it, but I probably didn't really start properly co-sleeping until he was about two months old. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. So did you, with your second then in 2020, did you go straight into it? Like Yes. About that. Okay. I'll try. I know we're towards the end of our talk, so I'll try to make this fast, but this is a common question I receive, which is how, how do you survive having your toddler and a brand new newborn? Because, um, what I recommend now is getting a sidecar and trying, um, and a few months beforehand, when you're pregnant, make your, make a transition so that your toddler sleeps in between you and your partner. If you have a partner, and then you'll have the sidecar set up on the other side. 
And that way, when the new baby comes, you can mostly have them in the sidecar or on your chest if you need to, but your toddler is used to being um, on that other side of you. And maybe over those last few months, they've been getting used to being next to um, their other parent and snuggling with them or just having that reassurance that, um, that they're beside both. Because my son, my first was really used to always being either on me or next to me. Even when I was pregnant and I had one of those giant pregnancy pillows, he would like climb on it so that he was practically on me at all times. So when we brought um, the new baby home, and we hadn't thought of this very simple sidecar setup. We just had our big king size bed. Um, it was really, really hard and upsetting to my toddler because he was used to either, yeah, me being him being on me or me at least facing him. Mm-hmm. So for most of the night, when I was in the cuddle curl facing the newborn, my back was to my toddler. Yeah. And that every time he woke up, he would scream. He was like, I don't want to say traumatized. That's a strong word, but he was very, very upset. And my husband would try to calm him down. Um, we were, I was still nursing him at the time. So I'd be trying to like tandem Mm. nurse both, which was really hard and kind of painful on me, painful for me in the very beginning. Um, when my milk was first coming in for the newborn Mm -hmm. and, um, and I just had mental, um, some anxiety of like, it's not fair to my newborn that he's for, he's hearing all these screams. He's, he's being woken up, um, unnecessarily. And he's maybe he's not getting as much milk and I don't know all those thoughts. I, that was sort of like the instinctual, like mama bear thing coming out. But so it was just bad on all of us. It was stressful for my husband too, to try and comfort the toddler who was not having it. Um, and so what we ultimately decided to do after like three or four months of just like agony every night was, and took my toddler in another bed bedroom and they bed shared together. But I, I shared this on Instagram. I don't know if you remember, but the door, the door, we would lock my bedroom door where I would be sleeping with a newborn. And when my toddler would wake up, he would run to my bedroom and he couldn't get in because it was locked, but he started peeling off the paint on the door peeling it because he was so upset. He would stand there peeling it and crying and screaming for me every morning. So I don't, I don't want to tell this story and have people say, well, it's co-sleeping's fault. You never should have co-slept in the first place or something's wrong with your oldest son. He's just too clean and attached to you. Like, I understand why he was so upset. He was only two and his whole life had been a certain way. I was like his nighttime person was always there to take care of him. We were inseparable. And all of a sudden this new baby came and my back was to him or I had to say, no, I can't feed you right now. Like you're going to have to wait. And he eventually got used to that, but like, but he wasn't used to it at first. There was a transitional period. So now when I talk to people, I just try to stress that if you can do anything to get your toddler used to this idea, like even if it is turning your back to them for part of the night, when they're, you know, right there in between you and your partner. So they're safe, but you're not facing them. Um, if you can do that before the newborn comes, that's very smart because having your newborn there and then going through this kind of chaos is just, it was just really bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it just being honest about just what, how, you know, that life isn't always perfect. We haven't always got these like ideal scenarios that we're all just human and, there are lots of big, messy emotions involved in these big transitions because going from one child to two is a huge transition. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will just feel that feel really reassured <laughs> that, that, you know, <laughs> that 
that it's not just them that experiences that and I just want to say as someone that works every day with families um that sort of behavior happens all the time with babies who have or toddlers that have slept independently their whole lives you know having a sibling okay. is a difficult transition you know it might not be it might not play out in that way but I think it's really normal for a toddler a two-year-old to struggle with a new child being there I see that mm-hmm. you know, it might not it might yeah it might present itself in a different way it, but you know they might have loads of issues with eating food or they might you know start having huge tantrums all of these other things or they might really want to sleep with you and the baby even though before then they've never (laughs) they've never shown interest because it's it's a two-year-olds are are nuts anyway (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's a lot going on in there Mm -hmm. and it's a big transition and um but you you say co-sleeping gets blamed but so often co-sleeping well it's the solution isn't it it's not the problem um and I think mm-hmm. like we're just blaming, it's like we don't want to accept what normal is, you know, like that human beings have these really deep emotional needs for closeness. And instead we sort of pathologize them and try and make parents feel like they're doing something wrong for their children yes. being normal infants and needing us. Exactly. Yep. Thank you for saying that. That makes me feel better. Even though it's been a couple of years, I still, when I think back about that chapter, um, I just feel a lot of guilt. So thank you for, for saying that. I mean, I'm still mad at my mom for having my younger sister and I was four and a half. So <laughs> you're still mad. That's funny. She's like my best friend, but I'm not over it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, cool. Should we, should we leave it there? I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to, to mention though. Um, actually, well, what I wanted to ask, I suppose, is like, how can people, like, what do you, what, what, how can people work with you or use your services? What? Um, I have some how-to guides that are on my website for like, my big flagship guide is called how to bed share in real life. And that's literally from like four or 5 PM all the way through the night until the next morning at 5 AM or whatever, like things that you wouldn't know beforehand that you'd need to think of, um, or like have planned. Like, um, a lot of parents don't want to go to bed at um, 7 PM when their baby does co-sleeping parents. So it's like, if you don't, if you want to go sit at the table and eat dinner or sit on the couch, watch TV, um, how can you sort of put your baby who's used to bed sharing in a crib for that first stretch of the night, or maybe you don't, maybe you decide to carry them in a sling or, um, roll them around your house in a stroller every time they sort of wake up. Like there's all sorts of weird techniques that people use, um, that I found in my research. And I, again, it's whatever works. So, um, so I just sort of go through the night about like how you can have dinner, have a shower if you need to, um, how you can set up your bed for safe bed sharing and clothes you can wear to make it easier to nurse and still stay warm because, you know, I'm sure that how you can just sort of be freezing there. Cause you don't want to use your big blanket. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it just has a lot of practical stuff like that. I have three guides. And, um, as I mentioned earlier, I do do some consultations over zoom. If you have very specific needs and you want to talk about a specific um, challenge you guys are going through. Um, but yeah, if, if people just want to go to cosleepy.com, um, and just help support my blog, just trying to, normalize co-sleeping to the world and make it a little easier for those of us who are going through it and maybe even help us enjoy it more. That would be lovely. 
I'm also on Instagram, obviously. Yeah. Um, that's how I met you. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's so important that those resources are there because, you know, most people who are co-sleeping don't know that many other people that do it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they're just like, yeah, well, well, how do I do that? Like what? Yeah. How? <laughs> yeah. How do I? Yeah. How do I go to the toilet in the middle of the night? <laughs> yes, there's something on that too. Very true. Uh, I ha- yeah. I don't know about you, but I've learned to to use the toilet with a baby in my arms. I oh. think every mom has probably done that, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. You got to do it. You got to yeah. do it. You got to do it. Exactly. <laughs> Being like for whilst paying a, a bill online and uh, <sighs> and like yeah. shouting out to someone in another room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. great. Well, thank you so much, Tiff. I've so loved talking to you. Me too. Yeah, this was really fun. And um, we covered a lot of stuff. I'm sorry for rambling at certain parts, but like these are really good questions that unfortunately a lot of people in my real life don't ask me because we don't talk about this enough. Yeah. So I think that's so thank you. A lot of this stuff I hadn't really even thought about before. So, so yeah, yeah thanks for having me on. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to be really, really honest here because we filmed, we recorded this about three or four months ago and it is a really weird experience listening back to a conversation you had several months ago and then doing so as a sort of impartial person editing things. And I was thinking about this all afternoon actually and I think if I'm really honest... I was probably more worried about people's opinions of my bed sharing than perhaps I let on in this interview. Like, I'm not sure, I'm not saying I was being like um, untruthful or that I was, but perhaps if I'm being really, really honest with myself, because at the time when I think about the sorts of people I followed on Instagram, and the sort of articles I was reading about sleep and parenting in general, and the sort of resources that were available to me, that noise of don't make a rod for your own back was quite loud. And I think I listened to it a lot more than maybe I realised I did. Um, because even though my son was quite a regular, and he does, he does genuinely still to this day quite like his space for sleep. So I think that is partly his temperament. But I'm always curious as if I had not gone, you know, if I'd not listened to the sorts of people that I did, how differently would I have parented? Would I have followed my instincts or would I have still decided to move away from bed sharing? I don't know. I'm not really sure what I'm saying now, but um, I think what I'm saying is actually people's opinions, even though lots of my friends were co-sleeping even though my mum had done it, even though there were lots of people in my life who weren't making a big deal out of it, there were also some other people in my sort of peripheral vision who did make comments, not necessarily even about my sleep situation, but about other people. It's really hard to not absorb that. And I think if I'm really honest, I did have an image of my in my head of a good baby sleeping in their cot, or rather a good mother is one that can get their baby into a cot um so I'd love to know if anyone else listening to this identifies with what I've just said and if that makes sense um because there are lots of assumptions in our culture about the kinds of 
I say kinds with air quotations, the kinds of people who bed share. And the reality is, it's very, very prevalent. It's pretty normal. You don't have to be a type of parent to co-sleep or bed share. Um, it, it, it just depends on what you've got going on in your life and who your child is. The people I know in my real life who've ended up bed sharing aren't necessarily the, the people who plan to. Um, it's just who their children are. So, yeah, I think um, people pleasing <laughs> runs deep in my own life. And I think I was I was reflecting on this. And actually, I think becoming a parent, becoming a mother in particular, has helped free me from certain people pleasing behaviors. Uh, and it's a process. It didn't happen overnight. But, you know, my son is over three years old now and I I can say now that actually it's given me a sense of empowerment of knowing my own mind and sort of a kind of a gutsiness that I don't think I had before. But when he was six months old, waking up every hour and never, ever going back into his crib at night, I didn't have that gutsiness. I didn't have that trust in myself. Um, And there were nights when I felt shame or like a failure for co-sleeping but maybe confessing to that to myself is was hard to do I think it's only since I've 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 really reflected on that and heard my own words out loud that I think hmm I think maybe you were a bit more guilty about bed sharing than you perhaps realized but anyway I'll save the rest for my therapist and uh (laughs) let you guys get on but thanks again for listening um and yeah, come along to Instagram at Littleness Sleep to drop me a DM with any other thoughts that you've got about co-sleeping. Thanks a lot. Bye.